welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome. Today on the show, I have Cam Chari, author of the book, The Seven Stages of Planning, A Financial Tale. And I brought him on the show to talk about really kind of the, the book itself. Uh, it really paints a picture of how different financial products and different needs arise at different stages of life and examines each different stage of life. So I brought him on the show to give you that. And just give you some background. Cam has been in the industry for over 40 years. He's now retired and still involved due to authoring. But he's worked at major insurance companies throughout his career and has a background as an MBA, CPA, CFP, RFP, and TEP. So not quite as many acronyms as I have, but he's got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of them already. And one other thing, if you hear any interruptions, my children are currently taking remote kindergarten in the same room as me. So this is what COVID's like. And with that, here's my interview with Cam. Cam, thanks for taking the time today. My pleasure, really. Thank you for inviting me, Jason, today for this podcast. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So Cam, tell us a little bit about, about you and what you did in your past life and what you're doing now. I think you've done a good job of telling my background. I started <laughs> in the industry in 1975, I think. It goes a long time back. I think in the previous Stone Age, I think I started. But anyway, I've been through various uh, things, but basically with the financial service industry, with Sun Life and its predecessors. And I have been a tax consultant for a while. I have been a financial planner, or they call it estate planner those days. And then later, I was strictly involved in doing financial planning for advisors of uh, Mutual Life, Clerica, and Sun Life. I was a regional manager in Toronto for over 20 years where I, was, I had a group of planners who went out with advisors and provided financial planning. So I have a wide background in financial planning. I have met thousands of clients, Canadian clients, and helped them do their financial plan. So that gives you a brief summary other than my education. Uh, I guess my, what, I, what I have done. Good. And in your retirement, you decided that uh, you needed more work. So you basically decided to pen a book, uh, The Seven Stages of Financial Planning, Financial Tale. Uh, tell us about what the motivation was for that. <laughs> yeah, that's another story. Uh, basically, I didn't have any intention because I have, as I told you, I worked with a lot of Canadians. I have done different scenarios. And then uh, I don't know whether you know Tom Deans. Tom Deans has written two best-selling books, yeah. Everybody's Business, and I think it's called uh, Willing Wisdom. So he's the one who's kind of my mentor. He said, Cam, with your background, you should write a book on financial planning. So once I retired, I was a little bored. And then my wife said, oh, don't bug me. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me put my cards into paper. That was easy said than done. But anyway, I did that for, uh, and of course, fortunately, COVID came in. That means that I could not go out and do other things. So I thought maybe I should do this project. So I started, and then it took it took a life of its own. It took me about eight to nine months to get the book and a very rough draft done. After that, Tom suggested that I go to a good editor to get the book edited, which was the best I could have, which was the best I could have done because the editor showed me. I thought I wrote a great book, but the editor pointed out a lot of things that are what people want to read. So she did a great job of editing. Once that was done, as I said, it was it became a long project. Finally, the baby was born, if you will. Excellent. So yes, no, Tom is a uh, friend of the show and a friend in general, and he's been mapping me to write a book for a while. If I ever 
have the time, I will I will contemplate it. Okay. So I thought with what you're doing, Jason, I know you're a busy person. <laughs> it sounds easier than getting it done. It's the writing part is probably easy, but the other part is the one, uh, you know, editing and publishing. That's the part which is going to. Yes, know. absolutely. So in your book, you break down kind of seven key life stages and you go from infancy to schoolboy or school child. You have what you call the lover, which is amusing. It's the 18 to 29 year olds, we'll call it, you know, early adulthood, the soldier, the one who's basically got to uh, actually just start marshalling on in, with life, the justice. You can explain that one later, the platoons and the old age. So we go all the way from birth to over 75. And I want to go through each stage with you and talk about what the general problems are or challenges are for those those groups and what the opportunities are. And of course, when we're talking about the first two, when we're talking about infancy and, and small and children, we're not talking about them acting upon it. We're talking about their parents acting upon it. So let's let's start with the first one, the um, the first stage, which is the infant stage. So we're talking about kids from zero and then the second stage, which is the uh, sorry, the second stage being schoolboy, schoolgirl stage. So zero to 17, okay? We are, we're talking about planning for children. What are the challenges or, or things we need to look at in this, in this stage? Good question. Before that, I just want to set the stage. I wrote it this way because uh, if, uh, planning generally is boring, as you know, uh, I have people to read it. But I took Shakespeare's seven stages of a man, which is like a kind of a, a person there. It's like an allegory there. So I used that as a basis. But the seven stages does not mean that the planning is applies only to one stage. We apply in different stages. But for people to understand that there's a unique planning in each stage, I wrote it that way. So I just want to set the stage. Uh, going back to stage one, basically, as most of you know, and you are correct, it's the parents who will have to act on behalf of the child or children. So the obvious one is an RESP, Registered Education Savings Plan, which as advisors, we always recommend uh, the uh, child, should, child should, want have, should have one because of the government grant, uh, $2,500. If you put it in, the, the government gives you a 20% grant on that. And if you have multiple children, you can have one for each. So that's an easy one. Most advisors know that. But some of the other things is, when you people give gifts, cash gifts to children, and then they want to invest the money, uh, there could be some traps investing the money because, as you know, the Income Tax Act has some provisions where if you set up money, uh, let's say the interest yielding investment type of money on behalf of a, a child, there is a rule called the attribution rule. Uh, I don't want to be technical, but that rule basically- We'll, we'll get a little bit technical, but continue, yeah. Basically, if there's an attribution rule, means that the person- who gifted the money will have to pay the tax. So you have to be careful. And the second problem also is that you have to set up an informal trust. As you said, the child or the children cannot own the contract. So the parent will have to hold the money in trust. That itself is not a problem. But what that means is at the age of 18, the child will have to give, you have to give the money to the child. Once you receive adulthood, it's their money. The parents cannot dictate beyond that. And that's sometimes the parent may not want to do that. It may be for a post-secondary education and things like that. So I can go on. The third one is generally people don't think about it is life insurance. You say, what? Life insurance for a young child? It's not to benefit from that. It is used as a savings vehicle. So life insurance is one of the few investments where you can put money in it and then the any income earned on that is not taxed. It's tax sheltered, provided which say states within the CRA limits. It's called an exempt policy. So there is quite a bit of room there where you can put money in it and then do that. 
So that's another thing which they can use. And the other one they can use is critical illness plan, for example. People don't think about a critical illness for a young child, but with a lot of the childhood illnesses and uh, what's been happening, it may be appropriate in some circumstances to have a critical illness plan. So there are various things. These are some of the issues there. The book goes, I, what I've done is I've taken a couple of, uh, couple of people called Anderson family. Of the couple of people in the Anderson family have provided the solutions. So if you go through the book, you will see all of these things, basically. Yep. So okay. I want to highlight a couple of things. The attribution rules, yes. You got to be very careful in putting money in the hands of minors, both from a control standpoint, which to me is the biggest part, and a tax standpoint. The second piece is the insurance thing I want to point out is that a cash-rich insurance policy is a unique asset in Canadian tax law in that it is the only asset that I know of, correct me if I'm wrong, that you can actually pass down from generation to generation down the line that does not trigger tax. So I can have a ton of money in a insurance policy that is on the life of my child. And if I was the cash in that policy, if I was the basically get rid of that policy, I would have a tax bill. But I can transfer that policy without taxation, the ownership of that policy to my child when they're an adult and there's no disposition at the time. So I don't know of anything else in Canadian tax law that permits that. No, you're right. So that's the reason we set it up. And also when the, and you're right. And if the child needs the money for education, they can borrow from the policy because it's like a loan. Generally, the interest on the loan on a life insurance policy is much lower than a commercial interest rate. So that's another advantage. So you're right. So life insurance, it's often not understood, Jason. And I think it's a great way of putting money away. Yep. So that, those are some of the things for, uh, so there is a lot of planning you can do for a young child if you want. So it's not a problem. Let's move on to the second stage. Second stage is the more adult stage where the Gen X finds themselves. So we're looking at the, the millennials, that is. So we're looking at the 18 to 29. So young adult stage. What kind of planning do, do people in that age bracket typically look to do? A lot of things you can do. Uh, again, it all depends on the uh, stage of life they are in. If they are, let's say, they are uh, dating someone or they are married or if they are uh, if they're already married, uh, like we are talking about a range from 18 to 29, maybe at 23, 24, they may be married uh, or they could even have a family at that point. And if they do have one, they want to buy a house, they may have put some money on an RS. Both of them, the husband and wife, both of them may have money in an RSP accumulated. So... Basically, they want to buy a house. One of the things that often comes up is, uh, can they use the RSP money? As you know, yeah, there is a, a provision in the Income Tax Act called the Homeownership Savings Plan, where they can use up to $35,000 of the RSP money as a down payment for a purchase of the home. If there's a husband and wife, then you can double it up to $70,000. So that's a big advantage. And that has to be paid back, of course, that uh, they give you... Uh, Two years at the end of two years, you can pay back in 10 installments. So that's a great arrangement. So a lot of young families uh, should use it, but of course, they have to money in the uh, RSP. But quite a few of them will have when they want to buy a house at that stage. And another thing is, if they have a young family, the obvious one, which a lot of people may ignore, uh, is they should make sure that they have life insurance. Both of them, the husband and wife, both should have life insurance. In this case, we talked about before of a cash-rich life insurance plan. Here we are talking about maybe because their cash flow may not be that much because they are just joined a job. They may be using all their money for their livelihood. So basically, you should not hesitate to give them the best term plan available in the market and then give them maximum coverage. Even a million dollars at the age of 2021 could only be about $25, $30 a month. 
because they need that kind of a coverage because one of them passes away, they are going to leave a big liability to the other, especially if they buy a house and have the mortgage. So life insurance is a, it's one of the basic needs at that point, I would say, for both husband and wife. And then of course, if they have savings, the other one is putting money in a RSP, which is obvious if it depends on uh, their tax bracket. Certainly, if you put money in an RSP, it does two things. It sets them up for the future retirement. And secondly, it also lowers the tax. And then uh, the other thing which is now coming is a tax-free savings account. TFSA is another vehicle which they can use, depending on the circumstances. So that's why when I do a plan, I look at their objectives and what they've got, the cash flow and things like that. And then I would recommend uh, one of these solutions at that point. The other one, of course, I can keep on going is critical illness. And of course, the yep. disability, personal disability plan is the other two. But at this point, I mean, what we're really looking at is looking at establishment, right? We're looking at protecting their future, their future income potential. So their, their human capital, we're looking at potentially more robust income splitting strategies with, with their parents. And we're looking at setting themselves up for, I'd say retirement is a secondary concern. It's more so savings period altogether. Okay. So then we move on to the 30 to 44 bracket. So this is the, the mature adults, Gen X, or as you originally termed them, the what was it? It was the soldiers. So again, they're they're marshalling on. This is where I'd say this is the more conventional bracket when people start to seek out advice, right? So this is what everybody's probably used to. It's like, hey, I need to pay down my mortgage. I need to deal with my retirement savings. I need insurance. They've woken up to all of this. They have. They probably have kids at that point. So this is the more conventional one. We don't have to spend a lot of time here, but you know, besides what I just mentioned, like what other kind of other key areas would you say need to be looked at in this stage? One of the things I come across, Jason, I mean, you may have also, uh, where people may at this stage, they may have moved, moved up to a bigger house. They may have a larger, a bigger mortgage on the house. And then the mortgage insurance, they may sometimes consider the bank provides mortgage insurance bank or whoever supplier is. Uh, mortgage insurance is fine. It will pay off the mortgage, all right. But basically, what we're talking about is a decreasing term mortgage. In many cases, it may be much cheaper and have a much better control for them to buy personal life insurance to protect the mortgage. It can be a decreasing term, but in many cases, we say that why don't you buy a level term insurance so that the mortgage decreases, the insurance does not decrease. And if in the event, if they pass away, then the money will be there to pay off the mortgage and the balance can be used for the family. This is one of the uh, techniques we have suggested, and a lot of clients thought, hey, that's a great idea. Because in terms of cost, if you look at the bank coverage and personal coverage, it's not too much difference. So that's one of the things you can do. And the other things are other things are obvious, like accumulating on a TFSA, RSP. But one thing people generally forget, they don't do it, and you know that, is wills and power of attorney. Wills, is, they may have drafted a will when they are young. It may be one of them, they got it from a supermarket or whatever, or it could be a form bill when they are traveling away. At this stage of life, they have accumulated assets. Since they have accumulated these assets, it's going to make sure that it goes to the right people. So it is very important. First of all, many Canadians they don't have bills. They have the bills. It's far outdated. So it's very important for them to review the bills and make sure it does the things they want it to be done. And I think that's a very important thing at this stage I found. Uh, we asked them and the power of attorney too. Those are the two other things at this stage we need to look at. Other thing is, I mean, the obvious ones like critical illness, long-term care also sometimes come, comes in this stage. I didn't put it in this stage in my book, but uh, some of these uh, planning items does not necessarily fit into one stage, Jason. It can go into multiple stages. For the sake of uh, explaining, I put them in different stages, but it can apply in multiple stages. 
that's all I wanted to mention. Okay, so then we're on to uh, the next stage, which is basically we're into the boomers, who you also affectionately titled the the. Uh, you have to explain this one. Uh, stage six, stage five, and six are the justice and the platooners. Uh, uh, plan, <laughs> uh, plan, no, yeah, platoons. Okay, so you have to tell me what's uh, what the story is here. So we're talking about forty-five to seventy-four years old. So these are the people Very that rich. are. Yeah, wide range, wide range, but we're talking about mature. Like we're not talking about them having their first children in most cases at this point. We're talking about them having children that are at some stage of maturity, if not fully mature. And then they see at that age, they can actually start to see the finish line of retirement coming up on them, right? Whether they want to believe Freedom 55 is a possibility or not, that's a secondary story altogether. But yeah. essentially they will um they basically can see the finish line and then they they cross the finish line, not the finish line, the intermittent finish line that is retirement and continue on. So talk to me about the planning strategies around there that more, most often fit. Yeah, it, you know, it's very interesting. You mentioned all this. Sometimes people at the age of 55, I think you mentioned this before, they will come and mm-hmm. say, hey, Cam, I want to retire in five years. So you ask them, what do you have? What do you have? Uh, they have a very little RSP. The company may not have a pension plan. They may have a big, huge house, but they haven't planned anything. So uh, planning is important. Maybe as early as age 45, uh, if they are planning to retire, you know, like Freedom 55 you mentioned, it's a good objective, or they can go to 60, 65. This is the time, the younger they are, plan for retirement. They should really plan for the retirement when people start working. That's one of the things I always say to clients. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book. And in fact, a lot of these, um, the advisors are giving it to their youngsters for them to understand what planning is all about. But I think retirement planning is one of the important things here. The other thing which often comes up also is to when to take Canada Pension Plan and old age security. You may have also come across that, Jason. In fact, uh, one of our uh, members here, uh, David Field, who also worked with me, has put up a very good uh, stuff on the internet where you can go and say what the ideal age to take the Canada Pension Plan because Canada Pension Plan can be taken as early as age 60, or you can defer it as, as late as age 70. There are pros and cons to that. If you take it early, there is a, a penalty, but if you leave it later, there is a, so they give you more money. So basically, you have to decide when you want to take it. It depends on so many factors, like how, many, how much of RSTs they have, how much income they need at retirement, and all those factors. But people's in, immediate instinct is to take Canada Pension Plan when it's available. If they retire at age 60, they want to take it at that, uh, that, that point. It may not be a good idea because one of the things also they have to look at is old age security is usually paid at, is paid at age 65. You can defer it until age 70, but there is also a feature in old age security is called clawback, which means if your income exceeds a particular limit, there could be a clawback. So sometimes we come up with strategies where they can take more money out of their RSPs earlier so that they reduce the RSPs so that the clawback or the tax back of the old age security will start happening. So there are a lot of planning to be done at this stage. The earlier to start, it's better, but it's a great way of making sure that they have. And also I would use annuities, even though annuities don't sound sexy now because of the interest rate, annuities have a, a really a place in any financial planning. Especially, you know, I have come across a situation where a person had a, $400,000 lira in a case. I put it in my book, that example, where we suggested, you know, as you know, in that case, the lira money could be been transferred out to them, pension money, sorry, pension money going to the lira. Take 50% of that out, unlock 50% of the lira. So they took 200,000 of that, 
and then they bought an annuity out of it, and then they deferred the other $200,000 for later. So you can do those kind of planning. It all depends on the circumstance. So there's a lot of planning to be done. It starts as early as age 45, and then if it comes to 60, sometimes it could be late, but still you could do some planning at that stage. So I can keep going, really. And also some yeah. people, yeah. businesses then, Jason, I can talk for an hour in this area. Business, they have businesses, do they take out dividends, salary, a mixture of both? Uh, so those are the kind of things also comes in, in many cases. So moving on, we're going to get to the to the end of the silent generation, to the people in the twilight years, the old age people over 75, hopefully, you know, living long, robust years. Prince Philip just died this morning at the time of this recording, age yeah. 99. Ironically, as a member of the Commonwealth, if he had made it to 100, he would have received a letter from the Queen. So I mean, he would have been like, what's this, right? But that said, so uh, the last one. So talk about planning here. Like what kind of planning solutions are typically looked at here? In this case, I, you know, again, I have not done planning for a lot of people in the stage, but there are there are some uh, the parents, especially when we do work for their uh, the children, they will bring in their parents and say that look, they want to do the. It's usually a state transfer, really. Those those are the cases where it comes in. Uh, in most cases, it's updating, making sure that the bills, power of attorney, and uh, their executors. You know, one of the things we often faced is appointment of executors. In many cases, people think if you're appointed as an executor, it's the privilege. It is not. Right now, as you probably know. Oh, no. We, we've covered that on this podcast on several occasions. The only right answer when someone says, can you be my executor, is no. If no. you can get away with it. If you can't get away with it, then just take a deep breath and make sure they're organized. Exactly. And that's we appointed out in many cases the responsibilities of being an executor and what are the duties. And I put it in the book. So some of the things you should consider being an executor, and it's like a trustee. So they have the real same responsibility. They could be held liable. They have to file tax returns. They have to do all sorts of things. So that those are the things that comes up. In a couple of cases, you know, you may you may think it's funny. They even uh, even able to buy life insurance for them, like the last to die life insurance. They have a husband oh, no. they're alive. Uh, the wife was a little bit younger. The husband was 75, 76, the wife was 69, and then they had a, quite a few assets there, and they want to make sure that pass on the children without much tax. So we we had a joint last-to-die type of life insurance. We take that couple of ages, 75 and 69, it comes down to something like 64 or 65 from an actuarial point of view. So the cost is something like a 63-year-old buying life insurance, the last person dies. So in that case, they said, hey, that's this is much cheaper than the amount of tax I have to pay based on their life expectancy. So that is another thing which we can do. Also, one of the things I don't want to forget is charitable contributions. Some of them want to make charitable contributions. As you know, there are many ways of making charitable contributions. They can pay a life insurance premium, or they can just transfer money to a charity and get a tax deduction, or at the time of death, they can transfer assets to the charity, uh, and then they can get a tax break at that point of view. So there are various things, and that is one thing which also comes up in many cases. So, I mean, we just covered a lot of ground really quickly. I mean, at the end of the day, I think what we're trying to, the reason I really brought you on was to say, hey, there absolutely are different life stages that basically different things come into play. And, you know, we, I think on the show, I, to a fault, pull back a lot and focus on the planning situation and don't talk enough about product. I think having you on was my way of making sure the product was brought into the discussion for different planning stages. So that was good. I think it was a great summary of, of basically, hey, if you're at this area, 
this is a checklist almost like this is a checklist for have you looked at these areas of your life have you looked at these types of products that might service you but i would and i think maybe was not explained enough in the conversation was all this should be handled in the framework of a, of a full plan like all this should be handled in the framework of not just individual solutions but what is, who are you what is going on in your life where are you employed what is your situation and these are the things we get to concern ourselves with, yes, but what does the full picture look like? And what's the best strategy for getting you there? And that's where the industry falls down a lot, is that exactly. we have these products that fill these solutions, and we go sell the product because we're swinging hammers, right? When really, the solution, in order to truly figure out what the solution is, you have to figure out what the problem is. And the only way we figure out what the problem is, is by doing the full planning for the client. Okay, that's why I wanted to explain something. Basically, the reason I wrote it this way is not to sell products. I totally believe in holistic planning. Holistic planning is the only way to go. The products are just an offshoot. It's just a solution for a plan. And in fact, somebody said, why would you write seven stages of planning like that? I said, look, basically when I go and meet a client, I look at what their most important objectives are. Like their objective may be to do X. I'm not going to push something else, really. So proper planning is using that. But the book, all the book does is, uh, they said, to completely say what are the kind of problems they could face and what are the possible solutions. And these are not the only ones, solutions. This is a solution. And then in the book, I stress the importance in having an advisor, a proper qualified advisor to work with them and then satisfy their problems. That is the bottom line. Does it make sense to you? And then I think uh, yep. everything else is uh, secondary, really. Excellent. So Cam, thank you very much for this. If people wanted to find a copy of this book, and I, I do advise advisors who are especially newer to the industry who are listening to this podcast and take the time to take a look at it, to clients who want to understand some of the reasoning as to why it is we look at these things, this is a good starting place. Where can people find the book? Yeah, there are two ways of doing this. One, I think uh, I've got a website. I don't know how, uh, it's called answerfinancialsolutions.com. It's a website which I have. If you go, if they go to that website, there, there is a, it'll tell you how to order books directly from me. Also, the book is avail available in Amazon, Kindle. So the Kindle version of the book is available, which is basically they can download Kindle free, which is for Amazon gives them the viewer free. The, the cost, I kept the cost relatively low because I really want to benefit the advisors. At this stage of my life, I really, my goal is to benefit the advisors and the clients. So the cost at the Kindle version is only $9.95, $9.95. So they can view that in their laptop, their tablet, even in their small iPhone. So they can buy that through Amazon. If they Google seven stages of planning, it'll come up. Or they can say answerfinancialsolutions.com. You will get information. To They can email me, and then I can then cost is $15 plus mailing directly Excellent. from me. Excellent. Cam, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. So that was my interview with Cam Shari, The Seven Stages of Planning. I hope you enjoyed that. And if, again, if you're looking for a good resource on where to start to understand what the concepts of different products and solutions that are applicable to, to consumers and Canadians at different stages of life, this is a good, pretty easily digestible read that is very straightforward. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. 
You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.